This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham. Of course, with me is the absolutely fantastic Jojo, all the way from in the house. Hello, Jojo, I say. <laughs> hello, Graham. How are you? Ah, <laughs> uh, Jojo, we're doing okay. We, you know, uh, we're doing hard. How you be doing? I've been alive. <laughs> You've been alive. been alive. Yes. We are happy that you are alive, Jojo. Yeah. Because, you yeah. know. We couldn't do without you, definitely no. That's that's a fact. With no JoJo, there's nothing, man. You don't think, you don't think, well, at least it's the truth for me and Jeff. <laughs> and, and, and the dogs. I was going to say, and Frankie, too. You know, yeah. Frankie. I don't, Frank. I don't know if Earl would notice I was gone since he's, you know, blind and deaf and... and, and bloody you know, senile. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, a little bit senile. But Frankie, man, Frankie would be like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but uh, I'm You better out. get I'm this done. lady here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Frankie. We love Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> the nut job. Yeah, she's my little wackadoo. The absolute wackadoo. All right. Uh, so we got that out of our system, Jojo. This, you know, <laughs> we're going to get straight to business here because we have quite a bit to talk about. But before what we are talking about today, which is The Sandman on Netflix, um, somebody said that The Sandman was the unfilmable work of Neil Gaiman. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but they've done it, and I, I I, dare to say that that was a fantastic job. Yes. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I, I was wondering, have you have you read any of the comic? No, okay. no, no, not at all. Okay. No, but you, 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 you've got this, and I'm really, really curious to see what you have to say about it. But before we get into that, I have to say, if you ever thought that George R. R. Martin is the only person on earth that could come up with characters that are compelling and out of this world, but still seem like they are from this world. If you ever thought that Tolkien was the only one who could come out with characters and stories that are compelling and still feel like they are from another world, you have never, ever heard about Neil Gaiman. Uh, this is absolute work of genius, Jojo. I had quite the fun watching this, and... Now I think I'm going to collect a fucking comic book. <laughs> this was fantastic, The Sandman. And I remember texting you saying that this is so good and I'm not trying to shit on the Netflix people, on the Netflix patrons, but it's so good that I don't think is the kind of series that will prosper on Netflix. And and that is partly from the kind of things that I've seen Netflix cancel. The kind of series that I've seen Netflix cancel that require just a little bit of brain, just a little bit more of, let me think about this for a moment. Let me figure this one out. 
because this is a series that doesn't care if you're left behind. This is a series that goes on in whether or not you got it, it moves on. It's not going to sugarcoat it or explain it to you. You better figure it out yourself, right? So Jojo, if you would, in the measure that you can, explain to our audience what The Sandman is all about. Okay, so The Sandman is a 10-episode series on Netflix based on a series of comic books that were written by Neil Gaiman. He wrote them for DC starting in the, the late 80s, going through to the 90s. And this was a series of comic books that kind of broke the comic book world at the time. They were so good and so different. They it was one of the first times that a that comic a comic book had reached the a graphic novel had reached the New York Times bestselling list. And also this was a comic book that I think it was verified was the very first time that the most it was most popular with women, younger women. And middle-aged women were, were reading a, a graphic novel, a comic book, which is, had always been dominated by by men and boys. So that's insane. <laughs> so that's insane. That tells you something about this. This is something special. This is something different than your typical your typical comic book series. So so what this is is about the King of Dreams, Dream, and he is captured by an amateur mortal, a wizard who imprisons him for, in the series, uh, over a century, in the Netflix series. And he does finally escape. And it's the story of the fallout of what happened while he was imprisoned, what happened in his, his realm of dreams, what happened to his creations, what happened to the people who were dreaming when he was imprisoned. And uh, the, a very interesting bringing together of the the family of the Sandman, of dream, of the endless, uh, of of destiny and desire and and uh, death, despair, despair and death. Yep. And so this is a this is a a telling of the history, I guess, if you will, of the of the family of dreams and and how it affects us as humans. And as you said, this is unbelievably, it's, a, it's the world that has been built here is so believable that it's unbelievable. <laughs> yes. The, yes. The, the, the talent here is mind boggling in the world building. So uh, as you said, um, George R.R. R. Martin and, and Tolkien don't hold the, uh, the only uh, gauntlet for world building and for storytelling, uh, Neil Gaiman is fantastic. And he, uh, he's an EP on this and very, very involved and, uh, it shows. Yeah. I, I have to say, you know, it's, it's hard to think about this thing and think about the fact that this, this is not, you know, the literary work in terms of if you compare it to Tolkien, into R.R. Martin. These guys wrote books, actual books. They were destined to make it to the top of the New York Times top 10 or whatever. They were destined for that. If you compare it to, to the work of Neil Gaiman, this is a work of genius that starts uh, as a comic book, 
and gains the consideration, gains the accolade of being taken really. That's why I said it it reminds me of books like Dante's Inferno Mm -hmm. and things like that, because Mm -hmm. because those were those were dudes that were just started writing a play and then it becomes a book and then it becomes a literary wonder. Yes. (laughs) And Gaiman from what we know, is not a dude that takes himself really too seriously. No. He's no. not, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's not a character like like Tolkien and R. R. Martin. No? Like, you see George R. R. Martin, you're like, where is his train? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's wearing, the, you know, the little, you know, train engineer hat and shit. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this dude himself has made, he has made of himself a character that once we see him, we know that's him. Neil Gaiman still looks like a struggling <laughs> writer. Of, you know. I think that though, to, to me, the, Neil Gaiman has always, and I said this to my husband years and years ago, when I, I think it was the first time I ever saw a picture of Neil Gaiman. I said that he looks like what you think an author should look like. Like, like in our heads, like you're thinking of a struggling writer in like the 1800s or something who possibly has tuberculosis and can't, can't feed himself very well. And as you know, Mm -hmm. up there scribbling frantically to me, that's what Neil Gaiman looks like. And I, and I, I think that that is something that really fuels the imagination too. And probably his own imagination, his appearance probably fuels his own imagination for the kind of worlds that he does create and the kind of, um, suspension of belief if you will but at the same time you, you don't have to really suspend belief with what he's writing and i do think that he's he also doesn't want to be more famous than what he writes than his work no no he's not he doesn't want in, that no he's not interested in being a brand or a product or anything like yes. that he's he's just neil gaiman he writes fabulous books and he wants you to know about his books and if they're gonna read my book and forget about me right and, and if you're gonna <laughs> adapt my work i want to be part of it because i want to make sure you don't fuck it up <laughs> exactly exactly don't be creating like if i haven't finished that shit don't be doing like most of before I, I I end it, but I think the reason why I wanted to discuss this with you, Jojo, is here comes the question: What did you make of it? I, I, I my opinion is very limited because I know what I know. So I know about Gaiman. I know about the series. I've done my research, but I have never read. What I want to know is whether or not you think that this adaptation is faithful. Does it do the job? And what kind of props does it get from you? I actually think that this adaptation is as good, if not better, than the comic. And I say that because it is a very faithful adaptation, but it's not so faithful that it becomes strangled. It does change things that need to be changed. Neil Gaiman was quite young when he wrote The Sandman, and uh, he's older now and has a little bit of a different perspective on life. And there's some changes that are made to motivations that make sense to me, not saying anything bad about the comic at all. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. But I, I'm saying that you're, there's a depth of maturity that has happened 
in between the writing of the comic and the the very long awaited series that I think is fabulous that it happened because it allowed him to create something even more fantastic than what he originally created. He built on that world and added different layers of complexity and emotion and 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 human reasoning and life and death and it's it's fantastic. So there it is incredibly faithful to the novels, but the changes that have been made are beautifully done. And I don't think there's anything that I found jarring in the slightest, which you will sometimes if you have a very beloved book or or, or something and, and there's a change that's made. It's like, oh, you took that part out or, oh, God, you changed that part. Why? This was just like, yeah. oh, that's fabulous. Yes, that right. that makes perfect sense. Yes, it's still the comic still makes perfect sense, obviously. But but the the series has added something to the characters. It's like yes, that's that's brilliant. That's fucking brilliant. And um, I think that's just a, such a huge testament to the producers and the writers and Neil Gaiman himself, of course, to understand this work so well. And to obviously be such fans themselves, to understand that something doesn't have to be exactly the way it was to still be fantastic, and that it can become something more than the sum of its parts. About this production when, when it was announced? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Because... Uh, I mean, anytime anything like this gets made, it kind of makes you go, oh, God, maybe just leave it alone. <laughs> because so many times it's been done poorly. But once I knew that Neil Gaiman was very involved in it, um, I was less concerned. Um, having seen what he did with Good Omens and how hard he worked and fought on Good Omens yeah. to get that brought to the screen and how fantastic and fabulous that is and was. So I was less nervous, but at the same time concerned because of course there is the, the money machine and you have to, you know, bow perhaps to the money machine. But at the same time, it's Neil fucking Gaiman. So if he's like, you know what? I'm out yeah. <laughs> over a change, then it's, it's more likely that Netflix is going to go, Never mind, you do whatever you want. Please come back. Yeah. <laughs> then, it, you know, then, and then any other author. So I, I think it's fantastic that uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, I was I nervous it about it right myself time. because I know how, how arrogant corporate America, especially the execu TV executives, can be when it comes to this kind of thing because yes. they are spending the money and they want to have some degree of control even if they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Even they, if they have no idea what writing is all about, even if they don't know what scripting is all about, even if they don't know what continuation of a script is all about, but they want to have some degree of control because they are the ones spending the big money. And so in that respect, I was a bit a bit nervous because it always ends up looking like a half-assed job. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what we've seen here is something something to be proud of. You know what I mean? This series yeah. to me was, yeah. it was like something that I can go, I've been to watch 10 episodes in the matter of 
10 hours, right? But you can, you, you can believe it that I'm going to go back and watch this whole thing again, you know, because this time I was doing, yeah. oh, they got this guy here? Oh, hold on. This one is playing that? Yeah. So, so I was stopping all the time to sort of like explain to myself what was happening and what, what I was seeing and why, you know, someone like this was good for this character or not. Because that's what I do, right? We, mm -hmm. we talk about this every week. I watch mm -hmm. something and I compare it to what I know of the series in whether or not the person playing a certain character fits the description or is doing a good job. So that's a lot of interruptions. Now I, I, I'm going to go back and watch one episode today, one episode tomorrow, and so forth, because I want to have that pleasure. Do you think the Netflix public is, um, is going to be enthusiastic about this? Do, do you think this is a show that has a future on Netflix? I don't know. Because Netflix has such a terribly earned reputation of canceling things before they should, well before they should. And this is a show that is very much in the vein of what <laughs> yeah. they love to cancel. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I could say that, that, that might keep it going is is the fact that it, it's it's neil fucking gaiman and there's always because they've done such a fantastic job with this i feel like there is is hope that they'll not cancel it because there i feel like this is going to be incredibly watched and not just by people who were, were already fans of the graphic novel but by, you know, people who've never even heard of the Sandman, because, you know, it's the kind of thing that somebody who was a fan of Game of Thrones, I think, might get interested yeah. in or The Witcher or, or you know, there, any number of things, The Wheel of Time. And this is this is so well done that I think that you don't really have to know anything about Neil Gaiman at all to be like, wow, this is really, really good. That's my hope for it is because it's it's also being very publicized and like other shows like for example the OA yeah. I know we talk about the OA all the time to. but it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good yeah right we, we have to we have to but I think it's a good parallel though in the in the fact that it's the kind of show that makes you think there's a lot of world building going on but at the same time with that show there wasn't a provenance to it if you will there wasn't a a a a well-known producers or actors or, 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 or anything at all like that. So there wasn't a lot of people clamoring for it, except the people who had found it and were like, this is fantastic. Please keep it going. The other thing though, I can see Netflix doing is going, Oh, let's give it another season. The next season maybe doesn't do as well. I'm not going to say it's not as well adapted. I'm just going to say that for that to them, it doesn't do as well money wise and them going, that's it. That's it. You got two. That's enough. And that would be really a terrible shame to happen. 
So I, I just am afraid that they'll, they'll give it a second series. It won't do as well to them um, monetarily. I'm, I'm, I, I don't see the production value dropping. I don't see the, the story value changing because I know that Neil Gaiman is going to still be involved in it. If they do a second season, he's not going to quit on, on his, on his creation. Um, but I, I'm just afraid that it won't draw as large of an audience and they, they'll pull the plug after a second season much like they did with the OA. So do you think it, it has something to do with, you know, the potential of winning, you know, Emmys and Golden Globes? And if not, then you're out. Or is it a question of, okay, so this show particularly, we, we have gained a lot of new subscriptions for it. I think it's probably a combination of the two. Like if, if it wins Emmys, nominated and wins Emmys and Golden Globes, I, I think that we should definitely see more of it than a season two. But if it doesn't, I think even with more uh, subscribers, they're going to be like, nah, we'll, we'll, we'll just pull the plug. And, um, and I, 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 that makes me sad that they won't. This is why, this is why I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that this show was made because, again, we were talking about in the beginning how, for most critics, this is what they used to call an unfilmable graphic novel. And it is a good thing that, because much in the same way that we talked about The Wheel of Time, that there had been some attempts at making The Wheel of Time, but to a certain extent it was also unfilmable until this time that somebody... Amazon just took it and did a fantastic job with it to the point where we were like, oh, I can I could I could get used to this, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so the same thing here is happening, but we can always expect Amazon to come back and bring you a second season or a third or a fourth or a fifth season of The Wheel of Time. But Netflix mm -hmm. has become unpredictable in that respect because it is so the structure is so corporate oriented that they don't give a fuck about what part of, of the subscription uh, public of the subscribed public enjoys this show. They just do away with it. And so yeah. this is why I'm, this is why I am nervous that I would, I would have preferred to see this show on Amazon prime or on HBO max. No offense to Netflix, but yes, yeah. offense to Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> well, I read a thing that was something like uh, along the lines of um, if it's only if it's a Netflix show and there's only two seasons, you know, it's good. If it makes it to three, it's shit. <laughs> there's that. There is that. You know, like, you know, if it's past three, then, you know, it's, don't don't buy it's not made for you. It's you're not going to be interested in it. <laughs> I just thought it was fun. And it's weird, Jojo, because like Netflix has done this thing where they have actually saved shows that get cancelled from regular TV, bring yeah. it onto their end, and made a good job out of it. Because I mean, Lucifer, for instance. Yes. Right? Speaking yes. of Neil Gaiman, right? Creations yes. of Neil Gaiman. I think they did a fantastic job with Lucifer. I agree. They did. I agree. And and that's a show that ABC gave up on. Right? Yes. Uh, Casa de Papel, Money Heist, for instance. Money, Money Heist got cancelled after two seasons in Spain and Netflix took it over and made a global phenomenon out of it. 
to the point where now you have fucking Money Money Heist Korea, which I haven't watched, but I hope there's some mukbang in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> some nigga just eating in the middle of the bank, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> you know, so yeah. so it's yeah. it's just it's just why you have to ask just why does Netflix do that to us? You know what I mean? But I I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand if like their their corporate if like they have different heads of corporate and like Lucifer got under this one particular corporate guy who or lady who was like, yes, we're gonna make this. We're gonna make it fantastic all the way through to the end. And you know, the OA got put under somebody totally different, and they were like, eh. Cancel it. I, you know, oh, like I, I, I know that's, uh, yeah, right. I don't understand. I, I just, I don't understand. So yeah. I, I would like to go, let's, let's spend our money elsewhere, please. I'm bored. <laughs> you know, I'm bored. Like I feel it, but I don't feel it. I don't know. Yes, I just, I just <laughs> we, we need to get something else. But yeah, so I don't, I, I don't understand because they're, 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 as you said, they're, they're very widely, wildly differing in their decisions on things because I, I just, it's, it's strange to me. I, I don't understand. It's, it feels like there's, they're like, have multiple personalities making these decisions at the top. Like, I don't know. It's strange. Let me ask you a question. Asia. Yeah. What would you say to someone who is struggling to get into a show like this. Someone who, because of course, there's going to be people who don't get it and simply don't get it and there's no point in getting, you know, in explaining or whatever. But someone that you know is a fan of this kind of science fiction but is not getting this. Do you, do you have to have a certain degree of Greek mythology knowledge in order to understand this? Or or is is this something that you think anyone can get? I for someone who doesn't get it but who really wants to get it, I I would suggest that they they try the comic first and and kind of see if they if that helps them understand it more. Because I I hate to say that there is anybody who couldn't get it. I, 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 I hate to say that because it's, it's, it's something that I feel should be very relatable to anybody who understands the human condition. And I mean, I can understand not getting into it in the sense of, I'm just not a fan of this or I I just don't like it, but that's different than, than, than being like, I want to, I want to get this. I want to like this, but I just don't understand what's going on. Um, I, 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 I think that, I don't think that you have to have any sort of classical background or anything to get it. I think if you maybe let go of that thought, if you let go of the th- the, the feeling that oh, I have to be a certain level of 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 erudite or I have to have be a certain level of education or 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 you know, I have I have to have read the comic to understand this. That's I don't think that's the case at all. But if you have watched it and you aren't getting it, then I would suggest trying the comic and and seeing if if that kind of helps it come into place for you so that you can get to a place that you can watch it and enjoy it and and understand it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think there is no, there's not a prescription for understanding these kind of novels other than just going back 
like I would I would even suggest go back and watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't just yeah. don't give up on it. You know. Keep going and keep going and cuz I I think maybe if you do have knowledge of of where this storyline is coming from, maybe you get a, a another kind of or a different level of I hate to use the word level that sounds classist but you get a kind of a different understanding maybe or a different um, experience of it but that doesn't mean that it's a more valid experience and it doesn't mean that someone else's experience of it is invalid it just means that you know you're you're pulling different levels of of knowledge from it so no I I don't think that this is a, a snobbish work or, or or anything like that at all it is kind of, but I see where you're going. Like it, it's, it's accessible. Like it, exactly. it's, it, it, exactly. it, it's, it's, it does it to me. It's never condescending. It never talks down to you. It's lifting you up the entire time. Okay. You may not understand this, but hang with me and you're going to get it. Well, that's exactly, that's the, I think that's exactly the role of culture and literature and, and, and all of it is just that from, from our perspective as the poor, we see these things are something that belongs to the rich because they make it a point to own it. it. We've talked about this. We've talked about the fact that most people think that watching PBS is for the rich when it's actually <laughs> public television. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's made for people that have no money. It's literally the point of cable. it. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But because yeah. most of the programming programming is is British, and and a lot of people think, yeah, that's that's only for the rich kids. And that's not true. Much in the same way that the majority of community theater is for the people that live in the community. Yes. Ex yes. Except that, you know, the rich give $900 or whatever, <laughs> you know, and go yeah. and we think, yeah, only the rich people go to it. No, man. Have you seen where your theater is located? <laughs> you, yeah. you, your actual community theater, do you see where it's at? It's not in the rich community. It's actually in your community, you know. So so you're right. I, I think it's it's something that, the work itself, the literary work itself, does not talk down to anybody. I think we might no. be the ones actually convincing ourselves that this is something for someone else. Yes, yes, I agree with that, and that that's a loss. And and don't let don't let anybody tell you that something's too smart for you, and don't let anybody yeah. tell you that something is is out of your class. Fuck that. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's never. Right. That's that's never. You know, libraries. Libraries are free. Libraries yes. are one of the greatest things that have ever been invented. Yeah. And all you have to do is go get a library card. Some places you don't even have to prove who you are to get a library card. You can just walk in and put down Jane Doe, and you have an entire world opened up to you of of books and films and and knowledge and. A true librarian is somebody that is going to be thrilled to share their knowledge with you. And they don't care what you look like, what you smell like, what color yeah. you are, nothing. 
they are just happy to share knowledge. Yeah. So don't ever, ever, ever let anybody tell you that your class or the color of your skin has anything to do with what you should enjoy and how much intelligence that you have and what you can get out of something. That's it. Jojo, let's get into the cast. What do you think of this cast? I think they're brilliant. I think they're fantastic. I think this is an, an, an awesome ensemble. I think that the casting of the Sandman is is wow. eerie. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow, right? I mean, yeah. come on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Everybody here is right where they're supposed to be playing the character they're supposed to they're supposed to play and it's amazing because there are some game and favorites in here yes that there are some actors that you know that they're neil gaiman's people we talk about this a lot when we talk about for instance you know stephen fry and emma thompson and uh Hugh Laurie, we talk about how these folks are always to some degree involved in their project. Yeah. So we talk about that all the time, but now I'm starting to realize that Neil Gaiman has his people too. That it's almost as if he says, yeah, we're going to do this, but okay, call this guy, call this guy, call this guy, call this girl, call this girl, call this girl. Because like I saw a lot of faces here that I recognize are Neil Gaiman's people. So let's go through the cast. Yes. As you said, the casting of Tom Sturridge for this is unbelievable. It's like, yo, where is it? This guy looks like a fucking ghost. He's good. He is good. He is good. What can you tell me about, about Tom Sturridge that we don't know? <laughs> Um, let's see. Well, he, I have to say that it's, 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 he looks eerily, so eerily like the character of dream as drawn. Um, it's fascinating to me that someone can look like a comic book character and the, in the, in the way a comic book character is drawn and without like CGI effects or anything really wackadoo done to him, you know, this, but this guy, he looks like a, a comic drawing. So I, yeah. it's just, it's fantastic. But he uh, he is English. Let's see. He he. I don't know what else he's been in. I, he doesn't look familiar to me at all. But I don't think he's been in many things that I have seen. Uh, but yeah, he's... no, he's, he he hasn't been in a lot of things that we've seen. To be honest, yeah. like he, he yeah. you know, his movies are on the road, far from the madding crowd. Pirate radio. Pirate radio was. Actually, I actually listened to a podcast about pirate radio and I was like fucking blown away. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. I was like, wow, this is amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. I you need to if you listen to the BBC nightly version of of NPR, at some point you're gonna catch that pirate radio podcast. But this this was amazing. So it doesn't seem like he's done a lot outside of the UK, to be honest with you. It seems like he's on uh, that show, Irma Vep, on HBO. I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we talked about this in one of our What's Streaming This Month thing, but we never we never yeah. got to that. Yeah. Yeah? But 
I love this guy in this character. I love him. I love him. I love him. I think he's he's brilliant. I think he needs to be nominated for everything there is. But on the other hand, you have a counterpart in Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian. Holy shit, this guy is good. He is good. Oh, wow, this guy is good. His guy is good, 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 good. I don't know him. That's so funny because I, I don't either. And he's been in things that I've seen, but it, I just, for whatever reason, he didn't either didn't make an impression on me or he was playing a completely different kind of character. I don't know, so but, but I don't yeah, know he's, new, he's new to me. <laughs> I don't know this dude, but wow, he's good. Wow, he's he very, good. very good. He really is. Mm. I, I want to see more of him. I hope to see more of him. But I confess, I don't know this good this guy. Yeah. Uh, Vivian Achimpong, Ghanaian actress, really, really amazing. Absolutely, absolutely amazing here. And she is the one that keeps dream on his toes. Yes. You know, the librarian, the God, she's God, she's good. You know, she is. She is good. I want her to be more. I want to see more of her. Yeah. And you can say whatever you want, but Dream is not the king of the of that kingdom at all. Dream <laughs> <laughs> is just a figurehead right now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Vivian yeah. Jimpong is is managing shit. That's the thing about being assistant manager or operations manager. That's what you do. Yeah. You know, I mean, Lucien, Lucien needs her own kingdom. <laughs> On the other hand, the, the dream kingdom would fall to shit if that yeah, happens. Yeah, it would, it would be bad. <laughs> um, Patton Oswald. <laughs> I didn't want to believe that was Patton Oswald, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was too easy to, to, to guess because Patton Oswald on season three, is it season three or season two of The Boys, he did a voiceover too. And that was giving me all that vibe. <laughs> and I'm like, I, did they actually cast Patton Oswald for this? Is it is that him for real? It, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh man, that. So they don't want to put this guy in front of a camera at all. They just want to put him voice-overing shit, man. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of David Dulles as John D? I love David Dulles. He was so good in The Gardeners with, with Olivia Coleman, And mm -hmm. he is so good in this with this character who... Is is fascinating. This is just a fascinating, fascinating character that he plays. John D is is so important to the story of the Sandman. And this <laughs> David Thulis, he just nailed it. He just nailed it. He he deserves a nomination, an award. He 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 deserves it for this because it's it's it, he's fantastic. And I would go as far as to say that he's one of the Neil Gaiman people too. You know I would I mean? agree. Like Jenna Coleman, David Tullis, you know, uh, Viviana Champong, of course, 
because I think Vivian uh, Jimpong has done a couple of appearances on on Doctor Who. Who else is it? Is a. I think Sandra Sandra James Young also, is one of those Neil Gaiman people. Mm-hmm. But Jenna Coleman was, it was. It's always refreshing to see Jenna Coleman. Like, I, I love Jenna Coleman. And yeah. What do you think of Mason Alexander Park, as Desire? I loved their performance. I thought they were fantastic. Yeah. And the the. <laughs> so the character of Desire has always been non-binary. Yes. And so the the casting of someone who is non-binary. Yes. I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yes. They actually did it right for once. Yes. So, yes. and they put in a beautiful performance, a fantastic performance, and just, I don't know, almost old Hollywood vibes. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was Something wonderful. retro about this performance, isn't it? Yes. Reminds yes. you of, uh, what was it, uh, Tim? Uh, yeah. Yes. What was that show? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like that, yes. <laughs> you know that that oh that nah yeah. Mason here has done well, yes. has done absolutely well. Yes. Like her. Yes, and I I want I want Desire's hair. Yeah, man. We, yeah, we want the full story. We want the full story. <laughs> we want the full story. Definitely. What did you think of death? That was my favorite. One of my favorite episodes of the whole series. Yes. Because it, that, that was one of my favorite uh, stories in the comics is, is with death. And this was even better than that. And she is so good. The actress is so good and so perfect for understanding that, that death is, death comes with a smile and... I, I just, I love that. Kirby Howell Baptiste. Yes. It's fantastic. Yes. Just fantastic. She was so good and so flying under the radar. It's such a beautiful character, but it's it's a beautiful performance from her because the the thing that Neil Gaiman was trying to convey is that the devastation that we see we think that death brings is is not really is is in our mind because death is as natural as birth so why are we happy about one and incredibly unhappy about the other but the other thing is the comfort she said i used to think of my work as something lonely but in discovering that I have company always because I'm there for them and they are there for me. They are dying, so I'm here, but I'm here because I'm, I'm, I'm what they see when they're coming to death. It, it's, just, it's just an unbelievable thing. And this is why I'm saying that there is only one person now, today, that can mythologize the horribleness of death in a way that we can find solace in it. And it's Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Do you know? Dream, we understand that. At least we pretend to. Desire, despair, we have a sense of it. 
But death is the one thing that we have not made sense of because it, in our mind, it takes away a loved one. But once we figure out that it is, it is just as natural as what we've done with living, then it is just it's, everything is is clearer. And again, Kirby Howell Baptiste conveys that without too much acting. Yeah. And I'm glad that the entire time that she had was with Dream right next to her. Yeah. I think Gaiman did drop a lot of hints and clues as to his values with this. Even his Jewish, I know that he's not a practicing Jew, but he, he, he pays homage to his Jewish background too, with the old man saying, let me just do this before you, before we go, let me just do this. It's a fantastic yes. thing, Roger. I'm, I, I fucking love this series in everything. Yeah. Everything about it I loved. Tell me another actor you'd like to talk about. Um, let's see. We had a... Can you hear the thunder? I can hear the thunder. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's o- ominous. <laughs> well, of course, we had um, Gwendolyn Christie as, as, as Lucifer, Lucifer Morningstar. Yes. So that I, uh, that's a part there that is that episode between the the two of them when he he goes to her kingdom. Yes. Her realm. That was beautiful. Is, that was beautiful. Yes. That if if battle. you if you know if you know me, you know that I was I was paying attention to all of that because the reason I became a Lucifer fan, it's because of the theological sense that it made to me. Mm-hmm. In that encounter, the notion that most people understand the devil to be co- something completely separated from good is, is absurd to me to so, to so many extents that when I see something explained like that, I want to absorb it because it finally, it finally makes sense to to what I know, right? Which is why I walked away from the church. But you see what I'm saying. <laughs> I do. I do. You, you I do. see what I'm saying. John Cameron Mitchell as Hal Carter. Always good to see Joelle Richardson as the older Ethel Krebs. Yes. That was awesome. Yes. She she was not on screen for very long, but she was she was very, very good. And the way she navigated the languages too, because you know, I'm always paying attention to that. Yes. You know, I was like, yo, I'm impressed. This is good. This is good. You know, Jenna Coleman did that with that other show that she was on the, what was it? The The Serpent. The Serpent. You know, Jenna Coleman, even though she had, she just learned a couple of French for a couple of months, she was really good with the French, even though she didn't actually do a, French Canadian accent that obviously that takes a bit more time. But Jolie Richardson managed her French, her German, and I think she did a little bit a bit she did a little bit of Italian there. Yes. Well, that I was so. really good. That was yeah. really, really, really good. Uh Carol Horgan played Zelda. 
there was some laughable characters, but I loved it. You know? And of course, don't, tell, don't get me started with Ken and Barbie. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? What the fuck? What the actual fuck with Ken and Barbie? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, Vanessa Samoniai as Rose Walker. What do you think of Rose Walker? I, yeah. That's, she, <laughs> she's so, she's so good uh, as, as playing Rose. And uh, she, she has the kind of face that, that, I don't know, I feel like is, is, is universal almost like in the actress, I, I mean, that, that in playing it, her, her face is just so beautiful and peaceful and at the same time relatable um she's 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 a fantastic actress and i can't remember her name vanessa samunyai yes yeah yeah she's yeah she was really really good in this role and at times you felt sorry for her even though at the point she was showing her she was a grown woman but you could still see the little girl just trying to get reunited with her with her little brother yeah um Razan Jamal as Lighter Hall was also tremendous. Uh, Sandra James Young as Unity Kincaid. Uh, Unity Kincaid was one of those cases that made me believe that. So it was, I didn't need an explanation as to why Lighter Hall was pregnant, even though she had had a dream once I knew about Unity Kincaid. Mm-hmm. So everything sort of like became possible to me or plausible once I heard Unity Kincaid make her case to her great-granddaughter as to how she became the great-grandmother. So at that point when Lighter Hall became pregnant, I'm like, yeah, it happened. <laughs> you know, it like I knew my stuff. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean. This show is fantastic. I really, really would love to hear what our listeners have to say about it. But I am absolutely enamored with this show. And I can't wait for the next season. Yeah. And I'm still lamenting that it's on Netflix. Because you (laughs) never know. That's my thing. You never know. You don't. You never know. You never know. You never know. You know, with the the news about HBO Max and everything that's going down over there, like... Yeah. It's it's, uh, strange times. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So um, we're going to call it a day today. We have talked about the show The Sandman, and we hope we've made it passable to you enough that you'll be interested to watch this show because we cannot speak well enough about it, one. And two, there's not much we can say that will do justice to how good this show is. Very true. The third thing is that it may appear that when you start watching the show that it's not really your cup of tea. All I would say is just fucking stick with it and you'll see what you'll see what we see. This show is good. This show is fantastic. This show is, you know, not the goriest 
Game of Thrones kind of shit that you've seen. But if you liked The Wheel of Time, if you like Game of Thrones, if you like this kind of fiction fantasy, you're in for a good ride. And it's going to be something that will impress you a lot if you give it a chance. Yes, very much so. We are going to call it a day again. Jojo and I, we are happy to have talked about the show. We hope that when you see it, you'll come to us and say, hey, man, we saw what what you saw. And we liked it too. Yes. If not, well, feel free to tell us why you didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> we are on Twitter, and Twitter uh, is kicking and streaming kicking and the letter n streaming on what's the other one are we uh, are we on instagram on the gram we're on the gram we're on the gram right <laughs> it's kicking and streaming <laughs> underscore podcast jojo you can find her on instagram as kns co-host and you will find me on instagram and on twitter as mr putzetta that's m-r-p-u Z-Z-E-T-T-A. A quick visit to our website, kickinandstreamingpodcast.com. will take you to all the apps that you can use to listen to our podcast. But also we have 168 episodes for you to listen through our website. If you also would like to make a contribution to the show, for me and for Georgia to continue doing this thing, you know, like we've done in the past three years, then we would very much appreciate that. And that's through buy me a coffee or just coffee. K-O-F-I. Can we go now, Jojo? I, I think so. I so, think it was everything. Here's the thing. We're going to call it a day. For me and for Jojo, this is goodbye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.